Welcome to the DMF. I am your host, Justin Yonts. Today, my guest is Faye Viviana. She is a director, a producer, a writer, an actress, and she's also a former dancer. Enjoy. Okay, I have a special guest with me today. I have Faye Viviana. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk to you. So, um, first thing I wanted to ask you is, what was it like growing up in Albuquerque, New Mexico? <laughs> yeah. Um, Albuquerque is an interesting place. Uh, it's very good weather. Um, it has all four seasons, but it doesn't rain much, so it's very sunny. It's got a lot of like outdoors yeah. and things. Um, so, uh, as a kid, I. Uh, was really into dance that's that was actually my first career so most of my life revolved around dance in some way um so that was mostly what I did there I left uh when I was 15 to move to New York to dance mm. so um yeah most of my childhood was pretty much in the dance studio <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what what um what led you to dance was there something specific about dance um well actually it's interesting. I have a pretty severe scoliosis, which is like a, hmm. a I decide curvature of the spine. And um, I was diagnosed yeah. with it when I was eight. So prior to that, I did like a lot more different things, gymnastics, uh, swimming, diving, tennis, things like that. Um, but the impact is actually not great for it. So hmm. dance was sort of the most back friendly yeah. hobby. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, so I, I had kind of started doing more of that than the other things. And then um, when I was around 10, nine and a half, 10, I actually had to have a back brace and I didn't mm. have to wear the brace when I took dance classes. So I took every single dance class I could sign up for because I didn't want to wear the brace. So yeah. that's actually kind of like how I ended up um, becoming a dancer. It's because I, I didn't want to wear the brace. <laughs> so. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, so, so so like what age did you start at for dance I was five five okay so you so you were already like kind of did some dance and then once you kind of figured out as you got older that you're gonna have to wear this back brace and all this other stuff that then it became more of a more of a career yeah was there something about ballet that like really just spoke to you yeah actually um I often refer to it as like my native language um, mm. I really love it. I, I miss doing it a lot. Um, getting injured was a, a devastating period of my life, but um, I I really like that. It sounds a little weird, but <laughs> I like that with movement and especially like performance-based movement, like the audience like has to watch you. So you mm. can go out on the stage and essentially say anything and they have to listen. Like that's kind of the way it feels to me. Um, and I wasn't great at like speaking up as a kid. Um, mm. So I liked that it was like this thing that I had where I could say whatever I wanted to say with my movement and nobody could tell me otherwise they had to listen. It was kind of this strange, empowering thing for me. Um, and yeah, it was very much like my, my therapy sort of as well, yeah. growing up and getting through your teenage years and stuff. Like dance was definitely a grounding um, were your parents encouraging with this? Did they did they yeah. like you did dance? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, when I was like seven, I was like, I want to be a microbiologist and my family's very academic. So they were yeah. all excited about that. Um, and then at like eight or nine, I was like, ballet. <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> sure if that was like a little bit of a letdown from microbiologists, but, yeah. um, I did get I want to be a princess now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember they said, you know, if you get a scholarship, you can go wherever you get a scholarship to. So, um, you know, I, I was good enough of a dancer to to get those scholarships. And I think that helped, you know, they, they, yeah. they felt like I, I could really do it. I could really pursue it. So they were very supportive of me in that, in that regard. Interesting. And then you and then you went. So you went to New York when you were studying ballet. What was what was that like? Um, well, I mean, I love New York, so I loved living there. Um, I had so much freedom for a 15 year old when you think about it, like on my own, just going to movies by myself. I had a TV in my room for the first time. So I was like, like just my whole like world opened, you know, um, in this kind of funny way. Um, so the, like just living on my own in New York city aspect of it was awesome. And then the training, um, I was privileged enough to be studying at the, it's a mouthful, but the Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis School yeah. um, at American Ballet Theater. Um, but it's a wonderful program and they have excellent teachers. And I got to study with just some of the best of the best. And, and it was a really wonderful experience. Yeah. Do you, th- do you think studying there forced you to be tougher? Um, maybe. I mean, dance forces you to be tougher like if you want to really dance you have to work so hard and you have to sacrifice a lot of like personal social things you know like I didn't really go to prom I didn't really date I didn't really you know like I I just dance all the time very forward forward thinking yeah so that kind of makes you tough because you have to decide that you want it that bad and you see, you know, yeah. kids your age around you not wanting it that bad. And yeah. so you kind of have to like be willing to put yourself out there and be the weirdo that like wants it that bad, you know. And you and you know what you want and everybody else is trying to kind of like figure out what they want. And you're like, yeah. you have this singular goal. Yeah. 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 yeah That's also that. what I kind of miss about that life is, is that you had this very singular goal. Like your, your goal each yeah. day was very clear. It was wake up, dance better than yesterday, go to bed. <laughs> yeah. The, the simplicity of it was awesome. Um, I so wish I could create that kind of simplicity in my life now. It's like not possible in any other career, but. Interesting. Interesting. We'll, we'll circle back to that. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about the injury? I know it's kind of a personal thing. Oh, okay. Um, so like what, so like, was it, was it something specific that happened or was yeah. it just wear and tear over? I over know. Um, so we were on tour in this cool place called White Oak, which is a private island off the coast of the border of Georgia and Florida. Um, mm. And it was owned by the guy who invented glossy paper for magazines. <laughs> um, <coughs> sorry, it doesn't sound real, but it's a real place. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was obsessed with Brushnikov and he created this, this gorgeous dance facility for Brushnikov to come dancing. And it's divided into thirds. So a third of it is a dance sort of studios and places to practice. And then a third of it is a wildlife preserve. So there's all these endangered animals. There's like cheetahs and, and giraffes and zebras. And I got to pet a cheetah. It was like wild. Wow. 
Um, yeah, and then the other third <laughs> of it is like a Hubble telescope. It's like dedicated to astronomy. So um, it's a fascinating place. Um, so yeah. that's where we were. We were actually doing a choreography retreat um, with a guy named Robert Sund. We were setting a new piece. And um, I was in a rehearsal, thankfully not on stage when this happened, but I, I slipped um, sort of like over my left big toe going that way. And yeah. my kneecap went out, my leg bent sideways and I actually landed on my femur bone when I fell. So I, I tore pretty much everything except for my ACL. Um, I had multiple meniscus tears. I had like, I mean, I like landed on the like end of my thigh bone. So I had all this yeah. damage to the bone. Um, my kneecap actually went out so hard that it left bruises on like the side of my thigh bone. Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> my leg was like dangling, like pretty much everything had torn. Um, so that's how it happened. And then I was 17 at the time. So my growth plates weren't closed yet. So they couldn't operate right away because it messes with your like leg length. Yeah. So I basically had to wait an entire year before they could operate on me. So I just had this like <clears throat> year of hell of just trying to do physical therapy to prepare yeah. myself for the surgery. Um, because we were on this little island, there was no like hospital there. So they had to like take me to the mainland and the closest um, like medical center was this brand new urgent care in Florida. They had never used their x-ray machine before. Oh, no. um, they didn't believe that I could hurt myself that badly doing a dance move. That was what the doctor said. So they actually did a full sprain test, which is like, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they like mm. yank and twist. So the doctor was like yanking and twisting my like already broken leg because he didn't think that it was possible for me to be did you kind of have an idea of what of what the injury was since you know just being a I dancer knew, you're pretty familiar I knew with your body. something was really bad I mean it was loud when it happened you could like hear things like ripping and, and popping and stuff so mm. I, I was pretty like I used to fall a lot you know like dancers actually have to fall a lot just in yeah. rehearsal you go for things you fall so I fall a lot uh or fell a lot about fall yeah. um I fell a lot and so it wasn't weird for me to fall but the amount of noise made really did give me pause. So I remember I, I did not stand up right away. There was a part of me that was like something really bad just happened. Yeah. Um, and nobody stopped dancing right away because again, <laughs> we're all used to falling, right? They're like, ah, they fell, whatever. Um, it's like in Black finally, Swan. Like, or... When I didn't get up, they were like, ooh, the yeah. music's bad. They ran over like, are you okay? And I remember just being like, I'm not sure because I actually had torn so many of the nerves. I couldn't feel anything. Yeah. So it took like five minutes for my nerves to like Ooh. start screaming. Yeah. And then I was like, somebody take me to the hospital. Like yeah. something really wrong, you know? But for, for like a bizarrely long time, you're just kind of sitting there being like, I think this is really bad, but I don't know yet. Like I'm just waiting yeah. for all the like processing to happen. Um, so it was a, it was a, it was a brutal way to do it. Uh, it's yeah. a pretty common like football injury actually um yeah when they get tackled from like the side um and the guy who eventually did my surgery was the surgeon for the giants russell oh, wow. warren yeah oh, wow. so i got very lucky the company like pulled some strings and, and he specialized in um shoulder and knees in young athletes basically like under 26 um and you know he worked for the giants and they were like i think this is the guy like if you want to walk again or dance again need this guy okay. um no i mean my leg was literally like dangling it was it was really gross um 
it, yeah. And then, and my whole legs swelled up because you like internally bleed from all that tearing. And, um, that's yeah, gotta be, really and for you going from being singular focus and be like, okay, you can't do anything. Just yeah. sit and here and- uh, Just waiting to find out. Yeah. And you, you know, you gain weight because you go from exercising like 50 hours a week to like laying on your back all day yeah. with your leg in a thing. And um, so physically and, and emotionally, it was just oh, taxing. Was, yeah, I think, yeah. It, I mean, emotionally, I kind of just didn't deal with it. I, I was pretty like- yeah. I just sort of, I mean, I dealt with it later, but at the time I kind of was like, well, okay, like this happened. We don't know yet what the result is. Um, and then once I, well, it was about five months before I could walk unassisted. So no crutches, things like that. So I had so much physical therapy to do. Um, and then at that point, I think they knew that they were going to operate. So it was kind of like waiting to see how that went. Um, and in the meantime, I actually turned down my contract with the company because once you're under contract, it's really like they, they keep trying to get you back on stage, not because they're mean, but because they need you on stage. Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. the job, right? Um, so one of my mentors at the time said, you know, if you really want to heal properly, you should not sign your contract so that they're not constantly trying to throw you back on early so that you can really yeah. heal. Um, and that was a very hard decision to make. But during that time, I remember very distinctly having a gut feeling that there was more wrong with my knee than they were telling me. Like there was something uh, in me that kind of knew, even with the surgery, I might not be able to dance again. And so I was kind of like. Do you think because you were like in that that island and you were kind of isolated that mm -hmm. that if you were if it happened, say, like in New York, where like, you know, I'm sure my, they've seen this medical before. care. <laughs> Yeah, would they would they have been it was it something like that or was it just I mean mm. I certainly would have been treated better, yeah. like gotten better treatment. Um definitely. Um because you know, that place like the sprain test probably did damage it more. You know, I was mm -hmm. basically just like a little lawsuit waiting to happen. I actually never sued or anything because I was like 17 years old and like, you don't yeah. even think about that when you're that age. But looking back as an adult, I go like, that was just malpractice all over the place. Um, yeah. And then it took like three weeks. Like I couldn't travel back to New York by myself because then I was in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, so it took like three weeks for me to like get in to see like the regular doctor in New York. And it just, it took such a long time to sort of get a, proper diagnosis and um yeah. yeah I think if I had gotten hurt in New York where you know the company has their own like PTs yeah. that could have assessed me they could have sent me immediately to a hospital like because he didn't know he he wasn't a specialist in in the area of, of what to do but yeah, yeah. interesting interesting <clears throat> so I mean um, possibly that that had something to do with it but the nature of the injury itself was so extreme that yeah you know even though I'm not sure the sprain test didn't help I actually don't remember it um, I like, it's like blacked out. I think yeah. it was so painful physically that I just, I like my manager at the time was with me and she actually had to leave the building. Cause I was screaming. So like in such a way that it was like, so disturbing to listen to that she actually like had to leave, um, the room. So I'm sure it was awful and it would have been nice to not have gone through that, but I don't even remember it. It really matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my good. body was like, we'll protect you from that one. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I just remember the uh, the film Black Swan. I'm a big movie guy, so it's like, mm -hmm. you know, had, had you seen that? Is that a movie yeah, or was that, or is that something you would be like, 
I'm doing ballet. I don't want any, I don't want any of those thoughts in me. Um, no, I mean, I, I saw it. A lot of my old colleagues were dancers in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or doubled for, uh, you know, some of the, they did it like Lincoln center, I think. Yeah. Uh, some yeah. Of so of it's, yeah. it's not based on that company, but they definitely used a good amount of those dancers. Um, and I thought it was a good movie. I mean, it's the psychological yeah. horror, right? So it's kind of yeah. a, its own genre thing, but well, it's Darren Aronofsky. I mean, he, you know, did Requiem for a Dream. He's, he's not going to cut any, you know, points. But you know, I just remember that part in the film. Where, you know, he picks her up. You know, she kind of falls, and I was just like, as soon as you were telling me the story, I'm like, just immediately go to that image or whatever. Yeah. Um, she didn't break. She didn't break everything. What you had was much more severe. So, you know, moving on a little bit. Um, where so with acting how did that come about because you were going to um jackie onassis and then you went somewhere else had you been dabbling in acting a little bit yeah so i i basically went from the jko school straight into the company um they have like a it's not quite a junior company at the time it was called studio company but it was like a smaller group of very young dancers that they're kind of getting ready for the main company and they did their own tours and stuff so i was part of that so i was actually already professionally dancing and under contract. Um, and when I got hurt, I had taken a couple acting classes previously for a certain piece we had done. It's an uh, mm. Anthony, Anthony Tudor ballet called Lilac Garden. Um, mm. And it's, uh, his stuff has like a lot of plots and um, a lot of like gestural movement and very like emotional storylines. And I remember thinking, I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, I, I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to do this. This like, this like emotional thing. Like I just, I, I was yeah. like, I feel like this needs acting and I don't even know anything about acting. So I actually had taken a couple acting classes for that piece specifically. Um, and I thought, wow, this is a lot of fun. And I always assumed my career would be a little bit short because of my back. So I thought, well, maybe this is something I can like transition to when I retire because dancers retire when they're like 35. I figured I'd probably yeah. retire around 30. So I was like, you know, this will be a great yeah. little segue into whatever I do next. Um, this could be what I do next. Um, I remember really liking the classes. So then when I got hurt and I had basically two years of just physical therapy and then the surgery and then more physical therapy before I could even find out whether or not I could dance again. Mm. During that time, I just, I couldn't, handle sitting in the studio and watching all of my friends get promoted and dance all these great roles. It was just too depressing. So I actually went to acting school to sort of like kill time. And because it took so long for me to find out that I couldn't dance, I actually got like two years of like acting conservatory training because I was taking wow. all these acting classes all the time. And so when I found out that I couldn't dance professionally, um, it I wasn't kind of such had already a already been doing it. Yeah, it wasn't such a this this shock of what am I going to do? You had already started kind of figuring yeah. it out. Yeah, again, my parents were kind of like, are you sure you don't want to do microbiology? <laughs> <laughs> um, same thing with my parents. They're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same thing here. Um, was Because you talked about, um, was it seeing a play? And that's really, really um, what kind of like you said like it was a black box theater that you it was that, like, i will really... never forget it it was a tiny tiny off 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 broadway little show called ghost on fire where, where was it in new york was it in new york yeah it was like in uh lower Bowery? east side somewhere yeah just some yeah. tiny little like okay south of union square park 
you know, you just yeah. walk down into that little like artsy district, and one of these yeah. little hole in the wall things that I saw. Yeah. Um, and I had never seen live theater before. And oh my God, I was so like moved yeah. and involved. And I was like, what is this that I've never experienced? Cause I've only ever experienced that in dance, right? Like I was, yeah. I had watched all these great dancers and I would be so moved and so involved with that art form, but I had never like been so impacted by just like people talking, you know? Yeah. And I remember just like the show ended and I was just like stunned. Well, yeah, let's get me? more, like, give me more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember there was this actor who played I think in the play, he's like a 80 year old man, you know, mm. and he was this African-American actor. And, and I remember, you know, he had like great his hair, all these theater things. And like, I didn't, you know, I thought all the ballets yeah. did that. So he had like aged himself and, and the work was so specific and his character work was so good. And he really looked like this old man. And then the show ended and he walked out, he was like 25. Wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was just like, what yeah. you know like yeah I thought he was an eight I was just blown yeah. away and and that's when I was kind of like oh well if that's acting I want to do that like let's yeah. let's do that um and that really kind of put me on a more serious trajectory yeah. because before I was taking classes in real time and then afterwards I was like wait this is a whole nother ball game like <laughs> this is cool yeah, I yeah it's like well it's like it's just like ballet I mean it's just yeah layers and layers and layers and layers i mean um who did so did you so you went to a conservatory where did you go for conservatory for acting it wasn't like full i say conservatory just because the amount of classes the amount of classes Um, yeah yeah i mostly took um it's like one of those studios that's just uh it's mostly for like casting workshops and stuff i just happen to have a great teacher there who i still sometimes coach with for certain things um her name is valerie kingston and oh. it was called PBI Actor Studio, and she taught Uta Hagen technique. So yeah. I took her scene study class um, for those two years. And then I did go to Lee Strasberg for a full semester, but yeah. it was so and expensive. I went there. Yeah, I went, I went there for a, a year. That was, it wasn't as hard as, as the neighborhood playhouse, where like you basically had to be there from like nine to five every day. Oh, wow. And you were just like, just thrown into it. Um, whereas Lee, you know, you got to take, you got to like pick your classes, which I liked, you know, you got to like kind of fix yeah. your time. It wasn't just like, okay, you come in here and you're just going to live here basically. At <laughs> yeah. <school. laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, one thing I liked about Lee Strasberg was the sort of, because you could pick your classes, but the like, you know, right. 22 hours a week kind of immersion feel of it. Cause I think it reminded me more of being a dancer, right? Like the yeah. singular thing, you're like, you're here and you just, you take all these classes. And so I remember I took, I mean, you have like the twice a week scene study and technique stuff. And then I had a wonderful script analysis teacher, um, Ted Sikowski, I think. Yeah. Name. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know Ted. He's a great guy. Oh, He's such he was, a great storyteller. He was so great. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think I had Bill Balzac and Lola. Yeah, I know Cohen. Bill. Bill is great. Yeah. Character, character study. We have, you know, you're all sitting in the room. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I so I liked these. that there was all these different aspects of it. Did you have Irma <laughs> as your core person? No, I had, um, I think, is it Lola Cohen? Lola. Co- oh, I love Lola. She yeah, wrote the I book. I had, yeah. I think I had I her. That. Yeah. She wasn't a huge fan of me. Not like. No? Not like she's, in a bad way. I think she just was a little confused by me, which 
come to yeah. think of it, it like makes sense. I think I was confused about myself in a lot of ways because I was yeah. in the middle of this weird like life transition and like didn't really know yeah. what I was doing yet. So I'm sure I mean, that Lola's, that- yeah, very, you know, very strict. Yeah. You know, if you if you introduce it like any other acting form to her, she's like, no, 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 the Lee Strasberg's the best. Yeah. <laughs> She'll yeah. let you have it. She'd be like, forget what you learned, you know, like just do that. <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if that's how I I don't know if yeah. it worked for me, you know? Um, yeah. but I did learn a lot there. Um, and like I said, I, I liked that was the closest to like conservatory because I was doing like the full time yeah. program or whatever. Um, but yeah, that, those are the main places I studied. That's cool. That's great. Yeah, no, that's awesome. We have that in common. We know all the, we yeah. all know all the same teachers. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was a, that was a, that was a fun time. So, um, all right. I, I watched a lot of your reel and I, I watched um, Longmire and, you know, everything. I, I, I love that. So how did you, so did you, when did you go to, to LA? Because right now you're in LA. Yeah. So basically when I was 18 and I had had the surgery and I was recovering from the surgery and um, I was just like running out of money because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was taking all, all these acting classes. Yeah. And I had to take student loans for, for yeah, the, like you it, know, so, it's I mean, just it's brutal, crazy. Um, so I went home to Albuquerque for about a year and a half just to like mm. teach dance, make a little money, finish my recovery with my knee, um, yeah, try to get back into shape. And during that time, I'd fly back to New York for doctor's appointments because I was still kind of in process of finding out yeah. what would really happen to me. <clears throat> So I actually wasn't living in New York anymore when they told me I couldn't dance anymore. Um, I was back home. So that was a really shitty trip. <laughs> I remember I was, like, <laughs> went out to New York and, <clears throat> and I, I went for like five days because I, I wanted to see all my friends and say hi to the company. And I was like staying at the Y on 63rd or whatever. And uh I remember like the water there made me break out. So I had like horrible skin and oh, no. went to see all my friends and I was so out of shape and I tried to take a company class and it was just kind of humiliating and sad. And, and I was yeah. starting to know that something wasn't right with my knee. Like yeah. I couldn't, they call it power, but like, I couldn't jump on one leg. Like I had power issues. Like I, these like weird <laughs> strength issues that would give out sometimes. So I had this kind of like nagging feeling that something wasn't, as yeah. great as they wanted it to be um and so I remember they gave me the news and I had like three more days in New York and I think I sat in the Y and I ate licorice and read the entire Twilight series just in this like <laughs> b- bizarre self-sad thing I just this, didn't this I just speaks didn't know to me I was like I can't <laughs> go back to the studio because now I like yeah. know that I'm not going to do this anymore and it was just weird. Like I was like alone and like, just not quite, I was a little in denial still. And yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, but that, but at that point I was 20. So yeah. I had been at home, I had been working and I was kind of like, all right, well, I guess I need to figure out what I'm going to do next. So I started trying to decide if I wanted to act in New York or act in LA. Mm. And I still had connections with that TVI active studio and they had an LA program that did a bunch of casting workshops and stuff. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just go meet a bunch of casting directors and see what they tell me. And I'll kind of know my Mm. answer. So I came out here for like three weeks um, for one of their little like intensives. And 
it was such a different experience from when I tried to do acting in New York because in New York, I mean, it's funny when I was a dancer, I had a couple agents try to sign me and I was like, I'm not an actor. Like I don't need yeah. an agent. And now I like kick myself. Cause I looked back and I was like, yeah. this is a really great company. So like, <laughs> <laughs> What were you thinking? <laughs> but you were young. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, well, somebody telling you. That was probably why they wanted to sign me because I already had a career and I didn't need them. You know, that thing about actors not needing things. It's, is that not the truth? You know, yeah. you got to show so, up with the, the feel I need you, but I don't need you type of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Hard. And so when I actually needed an agent, agent i could not get one and then yeah um, now they're like oh not now you want to see us um, like, now you are now, we're, we're now. closed yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what i really noticed um as a difference was i'm mixed race and yeah. in new york it was like an issue for a lot of the reps they were like we don't really know how to market you really because you're not quite asian enough you're not quite white enough like we don't really know how to sell you and i kept being like that's a weird thing to say and i but i kept hearing it i kept hearing and kept hearing so i was like okay i'm gonna have to like solve this thing and then i went to la and they were like you could be mexican you could be indigenous you can be this you can be that it's so great and i was like well let's go where the like door is open let's go where they actually care you know now where they're like (laughs) yeah and they see it as a positive and not a issue they have yeah. to solve you know so that was the deciding factor and then I moved here in 2010 in January mm-hmm. um and I had read while I was at home I had read all the acting there's no like acting schools or there weren't at the time um yeah. so I was just reading all the acting books I could find because I wanted to keep yeah. learning and now I was like I want to be a serious actor so like I have to learn ways of the serious yeah. actor so I was reading everything I could get my hands on and <clears throat> And my parents were very supportive of that part. They're like, oh, reading books, that's good. We could do, here's yeah. some more, here's some more. Yeah. So for Christmas, my dad got me Milton Katsalis' book, uh, oh, Take a Seat. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, this is so practical. And I had read, you know, all the like really artsy out there ones, yeah. you know. Yeah, an actor prepares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all the sort of like philosophizing about acting. And then this guy came Which feels so like, outdated today now, you know, that actor yeah. prepares. It's like, yeah, but that's like a completely different world. <laughs> you know, it is a completely like... different world. And it's not, it's not unvaluable. It has... No, no, it's not. But, but there's not <laughs> the time like there and was it's not back really then. like something you can practically apply to your career now you know yeah. i mean you might experiment with some of the ideas if you're working on scenes in a class or something like that but you, you can't really like just be like i'm going to take that into my like ncis audition tomorrow like it just isn't quite really gonna yeah get you yeah out. no i've got a uh, hold on just give me a second let me do the coffee cup <laughs> you know it'll be like you know they'll be like what is he doing he's yeah. weird leave <laughs> yeah yeah where you're like i need 10 minutes to like find my privacy or whatever yeah so <clears throat> let me do a private moment <laughs> yeah yeah and they're like I brought my uh, sleeping bag yeah they're like you're a barista can you just say thank you sir and then move on yeah, <laughs> yeah get out yeah. so what i liked about milton's book was the sort of practical yeah. aspect of it and so um i found out that he had a school in la he had already died i didn't know that but yeah. i found out there was a place where he taught people the way he taught people i'm here um, for milton um we're sorry to say and they were like yeah he died in 2008 and i was like oh yeah um I anyway so I, I signed up at the uh, beverly hills Play- playhouse and that was sort mm. of my the final deciding of like okay i'm definitely gonna go west coast i found a place to train i i know i yeah. found um you know reps that think that i'm a, a good thing <laughs> instead of a problem you know 
And See, I, and I love that about you already. That, that like you were all about. I need to be trained. I feel like there's a lot of people today that's just like, oh, I'll just be an actor. I'll take you know. It's like no, you got to like really be. You got to put yourself all into this. You well, can't and just it's so kind of halfway. You, you really need to know what you're doing. Yeah, like it's true. I think it's funny um, that people don't think that that's necessary, or that they're going to have a good time in their career without <laughs> like. I, I'll just I, wing it. It's like, no. Yeah, could you imagine is... like winging being a dentist or something? Yeah, I'll just figure yeah. it out. Like, no. uh, you know, I took I took a couple of courses. Is it okay if I go into your teeth? And it's like, uh, no. Get me somebody who knows what they're doing. You would, exactly. You would run any other profession. They come in and tell you like, oh, I'm a doctor. Uh, yeah, I took a year here. Um, you're like, I watched I some a lot like... you know? <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. Like, so that, um, um, no. <laughs> I've always wanted to train. And I also, you know, when yeah. you first get the like acting bug uh, or whatever you call it, yeah. and you start reading about what the actors you really liked did, yeah. right? And every single yeah. one that I really liked studied. Yeah. Like they all talked about what school they went to. They all talked about their teachers. Like, and it coming from dance, I was like, well, of course you study. Like you have to, yeah. you know, like you have to practice. Which is such a blessing because you came from dance. So you know about that work ethic. So that's coming yeah. back to it, is like, did it make you tougher? Because I mean, like coming into this business, yeah, you got to do kind of the same thing. I mean, you pivoted yeah. like dance is in some ways similar to acting, but it's a completely different way because now you're using your voice, now you're using that. Whereas there you're using your body. But yeah. those things all come into into play. So I mean it, it wasn't like you you wasted time. Right, you know? right, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, so who was your like main teacher in, in LA? <clears throat> um, well, I started in like the intermediate class. Um, mm. so I had a couple different teachers, uh, Gary Grossman, um, mm. Rick Fidel, Art Cohan, and then I moved up into the advanced class, which is primarily Alan Barton, who's the current mm. owner of the school. Um, and, Ironically the, enough, I actually now teach at that school. <laughs> really? Yeah, because yeah. in your interview, yeah. yeah, you talked about the the company that you that you started, which we're gonna get to in a in a minute. You know, Alan Barton gives you guys a lot of time, and that's you know, yeah. 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 Interesting. So you talked about, you know, producing and directing. Which which came first? Producing came first. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so even though LA was far more mixed race friendly town. I still mm -hmm. wasn't really booking much when I first got mm -hmm. here. And I was very frustrated by that because part of me was just like, I'm ready. Like I'm ready to work. And I thought that that would be, you know, clearly somebody will hire me. Well, that's not really true. <laughs> so no. um, I started <laughs> having to like make my own content to yeah. just get experience and to learn about being on set because, you know, <clears throat> Um, I like on stage scene study where you're like theater based because I think that's mm. the better training. So that's yeah. what I was doing at BHP um, or Beverly Hills Playhouse. And then I was like, I need to learn how to do this on camera. And you can take classes, but you really can't replicate what set is like very no. easily. You kind of like have to no. be on set doing it's a job. It's the, the whole time aspect. <clears throat> I mean, when yeah. you're on, when you're doing a scene study, it's like there's no, there's nobody going okay, we just had to rewrite this here. Go do it now. You know, yeah. you can't really, 
I mean, I guess you could maybe. I mean, maybe that's the next way of doing a, a class. Like, okay, we're going to replicate a set. Uh, give them rewrites at the last minute. <laughs> yeah, but it's also hard because like understanding like the weird things you do with your face in a close-up yeah. and what tension looks like and, you know, all these things, it's like you kind of you have to learn by doing. So yeah, absolutely. I started producing basically to get more experience on camera. <clears throat> and I remember when I got here, I mean, I would try to get in front of any kind of camera. So I did a lot of like crappy amateur modeling, like anything. I just like needed to yeah. learn angles and what I look like, which is not really very pleasant, but I understood it would be important. Yeah. So um, yeah, like anything, anything in front of a camera I tried to do. And, and so I started producing basically to give myself more chances to do that. Um, the directing thing came, it's funny, I've never really chased directing, but directing happens a lot with me. So I end up yeah. directing a lot and I actually really enjoy it. Um, and the directing kind of happened because I didn't know directors. So I was like, well, I guess I'll direct it myself, but mm. I need to know what that is that I need to like know how to direct something myself. And, you know, it's, it's such an ethereal thing, like producing and directing people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, I do know, but it's hard to define in a lot of ways because yeah. producing is like, you make sure that the thing happens. Like, that's honestly what it feels like. It's like, so I, whatever I, I it is. About, about the producing thing. So would you just like, would you just tell people that you're a producer or like, how would you, how would you get involved as, as um, well, I would like write a script and then decide to make it. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that all the people I called necessary to make it would be like, so you're producing this. And I was like, oh yes, I, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I am, I am, yes. I am, uh, yeah. I, um, I am. And that's sort of how that happened. And then I went, oh, so that's what producers do. So I guess I am I just one. Just kind of like fell into it and just were like, yes, I am that. Yeah, and then very true to form, as soon as I'm like, okay, so that's what this is, I go try to find out as much as I can about that. So then I started reading all these producing books and learning about like indie filmmaking and what that looks like um, from the producing end. Um, so that, and, and similar with directing, I started looking at like, can I teach myself what they learn in film school? Cause I was like, I guess that's what directors do is they go to film school and they yeah, do like a lot their of short do. films. And, yeah, and what they're learning there is how to, design their shots and plan a shoot, right? Plan the visual aspects yeah. of a story and the color palettes and the themes and whether the tone of the acting is gonna be a certain way or not. And so I kind of was like, oh, this is all stuff I can learn how to do. And so I started learning how to do it. And then I ended up getting to do it a lot actually. So it was kind of like, oh, well, this is fun. And it's acting related. So pretty much anything so acting related, I was like, I don't see a downside. Yeah. So, so, so you it. started. So you started with writing first. I guess so. I didn't really think of myself as a writer at the time, but I was writing just because I needed something to act. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> so I would write something so that I could act something, and it didn't. I love really... how proactive you are. You were like, okay, I need <laughs> to do. I need to do something here. I'm going to write this. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. That's that's yeah. great. I I think a lot of that comes from being in um being in ballet where it's like you know i got i'm not gonna sit here and waste time let's yeah. let's just let's get going so yeah so you so you started producing and then you started kind of like directing you 
kind of like people were like, okay, here we go. Can can you direct this? And you kind of just figured that out. Um, then you created Crimson Square Theater Company. Is yes. that did, does that come before? Does that come before V three Productions? No. They're kind of a, yeah, actually, I guess it does. Yeah. I mean, I had other production companies I had tried to start prior. I've definitely been mm. producing films and shorts and stuff much longer than theater. Um, but I, V3 was my first like solo endeavor producing. Mm. I didn't have a business partner. <clears throat> and um, I started that in 2019. And then Crimson mm. Square was basically winter of 2018. So it's like right around the same time. Mm. Um, yeah. And Crimson Square kind of came about by accident initially. Um, a friend of mine had asked me, cause he knew I had produced films. So he said, I'm going to do this one man show called I Am My Own Wife. I don't know if you're familiar. It's like- I, I think I've heard. I, <clears throat> it's based on a, a real person, but it's a crazy show. You have to play like 34 different characters. and. He was very talented and I believed in him. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll produce your show. Cause again, I was like, well, I'll figure out what that means. I'll figure out what producing theater is like, you know? Yeah. Um, and this kid, you know, took extra bartending shifts. Um, his name is Alec Norris. Um, and he's like 22 at the time, I think. Uh, so he did like extra bartending shifts for six months to save up money um, to do this show. And, you know, he, he said, I have eight grand and I want to do the show. Can you help me produce this? And so I was like, okay. And then through the course of it, I went, wow, theater does not make any money back. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is a really good way to just set your money on fire. Um, it's like a restaurant. I, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to, yeah. I felt really bad that, that the poorest group, right? These like struggling actors were having to yeah. like come up with money they would never earn back just to do more acting. You know what I mean? Like I really, it bothered me. I was like, yeah. there's gotta be a better way than this. Um, and uh, so I, I did a Kickstarter campaign and we were trying to raise 30 grand and we raised six. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, so we have six grand, not 30 grand, okay. Um, but I was like, you know, we're gonna figure grand. it out as we go. Yeah. So um, we did our first official Crimson Square show with that six grand. Um, and we almost broke even on that show. So it actually enabled us to do two more shows that year. Yeah. Um, so we did Dinner with Friends, the Margulies play. Yeah, and then, I saw that. And then after that, we did Cock by Mike Bartlett. And then COVID yeah. hit. So that sort of, you know, shut us down for a while. But yeah. um, <clears throat> basically my concept with Crimson Square was to put together very seasoned actors with emerging talent um, mm -hmm. in professional plays. Um, same with, you know, having mentoring directors with newer directors and mentoring lighting designers and, you know, all these people who yeah. are pros sort of like have apprentices because I feel like, again, there's no better way to learn than by doing. But I didn't want to be part of something that was just amateur and a bunch of students. Like there, yeah. there's so much bad theater in LA. Yes. We don't need more mediocrity in the theater. <laughs> we really no, don't. We don't. <clears throat> so I was like, I don't want it to be mediocre. I want it to be on the same level as all the big houses. But I want to give the opportunities to younger 
people who are not established yet so that they get to be taken seriously. They get to do a real show with real sets and real plays, and real directors, and, and everybody can just learn and sort of like, you know, that quote about when the tide rises, all the ships rise, right? Like I, I was like, mm -hmm. let's be like what Steppenwolf does. Let's sort of be the ground where people can workshop new plays that eventually become more important and yeah. you know let's get new writers let's get new directors and um so that's that's really the the concept behind crimson square is that they're professional shows we hire a publicist we provide the like backing and the supports for all these actors and directors and writers yeah. to to sort of break their teeth on real shit um yeah that's that's great yeah and so i like the fact that you're meant you're putting them though with mentors and you're not just doing it with just actors and just directors you're looking at all the other things so in some yeah. ways you're you're almost it's almost like a finishing school in some ways a little bit like, yeah like that's know. the idea is like that you you can come and you can learn like stagecraft yeah and that's... then hopefully go do it professionally somewhere or yeah. for lots of money hopefully <laughs> so so tell me about v3 productions now okay so v3 um is my third production company. Like I said, it was the first time I went out solo, um, which was really good for me because I think I had taken on business partners before, mostly because I lacked the confidence to be like, I can mm. do this by myself. Um, some of that insecurity came from the fact that I didn't go to college and I didn't get an academic degree. And I realized that a lot of filmmaking is like talking to people about asking them for money. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know. I feel like it'd be easier if I had a degree in finance or something to be like, trust me, I'm not going to like destroy your investment. Yeah. Um, but you actually can't guarantee that as a filmmaker because you don't know if your movie's going to do well. So no. you actually just have to get better at asking people for money anyway. Um, but it, what I found is in my prior two companies, I had taken on very strong personalities because I lacked the confidence. And then it caused a lot of problems later on because they were very strong personalities. And I was like, oh, well, lesson learned. So I just have to toughen up a little bit. And um, yeah, so I, I went off on my own and I pretty much just tried to develop indie films and um, TV pilots and things. Um, we, our first contract was for UCLA Law School. Um, mm -hmm. We did a, like curriculum supplement videos. Um, they were, it's a, they have a program that is called experiential learning. So it's like where the lawyers or the law students actually can like pretend they're at trial and like do mock trials and stuff. And they use a lot of actors for those. Um, so part of that course was they have to like observe client lawyer like interviews. Um, and so we produced a bunch of those. We produced like 18 or 20 videos for the school to use as their curriculum it's where they like watch these interactions with like staged lawyer client interviews and then they talk about reading facial reactions and tone and you know if you're not supposed to say something to say something um yeah. how you phrase certain things like that um so that was our first gig and it was really fun um and then after that uh we had a couple indie films sort of like in development but then COVID hit so um during COVID, I just focused a lot on writing to just, I mean, the thing about production companies is it sounds really fancy to say you have a production company, but if you don't yeah, actually have anything to sell, 
Yeah. You don't really have anything. You're just a name. <laughs> this is my uh, company. Oh, what have you done? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, during COVID, I mostly just tried to focus on getting scripts ready yeah. to like when the world returned to sort of have stuff that you can take out to the marketplace and try to put together. Um, and in the meantime, you know, we do short films still sometimes. Um, mm and music videos, web series, things like that sometimes. A um, little bit of commercial work. I don't really like focus on commercials that much. Um, there's just people who do it better. There's bigger houses that do it better. And it's like, it's not really my thing. I don't really want to go chasing after something like that. I'm sure the money is nice. Um, that would yeah. be the one downfall of being like, I'm going to do these artistic things. It's like, you're going to yeah. be broke for a lot longer. But um, <laughs> Uh, but it's, it, it is nice to see something go from nothing to a finished product. And I think that's the most rewarding mm -hmm. part because producing is very tedious. It's a lot like accounting. It's a lot of like budgeting. It's not yeah. like fun work in that regard, but taking somebody's concept, working with the writer, developing a script, and then eventually seeing that script like on a screen as a finished product is very, very fun. Um, yeah. So I like that part of it. Interesting. Okay, that about does it for this episode of the DMF. I want to thank my guest, Faye Viviana. This is only part one. Stay tuned for part two. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving it a review. And um, think about subscribing. As always, you can find me at Justin Yachts, and I will see you next time on the DMF.